This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome back to the MK1 podcast, your order hub for everything Milton Keynes Dons. Well, Joe, two home games. Obviously, we reacted to one of them last week and very pleased to say that we put in a positive mood after our second home game. Uh, how are you feeling? Yeah, sorry, you just caught me mid Cinnabon there. Um, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, that's a very professional here at the MK1 podcast. Um, yeah, I'm all right. It's um, a busy time for me with work. Um, and um, But yeah, no, it's, um, football's a welcome distraction from work at the moment. And uh, I'm enjoying the games. I could say, Joe, I was surprised to not see you in your Halloween outfit tonight, mate, for the podcast. No, I will be um, taking in some local non-league games. Action though, um, I mean, yeah, we, well, I mean, let, let's face it, some of the football we did see recently might have been not out of place, too out of place with a, a nightmare, perhaps. But, um, yeah, we'll see what the non league has to throw up. Fair enough, but uh, but yeah, I think it's fair to say the football that we've been seeing at Stadium NK recently and the Mike Williamson has been been far from a nightmare so far. Obviously, you know, three games in, obviously, the, the defeat to Acton, but since then, two wins at home and. Of course, Swindon on Saturday, which is a 3-2 victory. Um, for overall, Don's had a pretty good grasp of the game, to be fair. I mean, obviously, we didn't have the possession as, as a traditional Mike Williams side may have. We certainly had, I think, the grasp of the game in terms of chances. I think that was fairly reflected in the start of the game where, you know, we were we caught Swindon on the, tra- on the transition after a pretty even first half. And then whilst Joe was at the bar getting a drink, um, Connor Grant slots in Max Dean to make it 1-0. Uh, with a pretty good finish actually into the into the side netting. Uh, takes it to half time. I think Fairtex Winder needed a reaction after their first half, and I think they certainly got one with the substitution of Jake Young, who when when Jake Young came on, we also looked in the cow shed at each other and thought, yep, he's gonna be scoring. And I think it was about was it five minutes later, something like that. He's made it he made it one all with a with a you know, I guess a goal was a goal, wasn't it? It's a bit of decent finish. Um but luckily for us, Don responded quite well. Uh, at seven minutes after that goal, it was a nice build-up play between Jack Payne and a few of the other midfielders, and they slotted in Warren Ahura of all people coming into the box, and he managed to finish it on his weak foot into again the bottom corner, which is a nice finish. And the Dons doubled uh, their lead on the 84th minute with a kind of an own goal for George McEachern, um, which so was taken away from Alex Gilby, um, which is an interesting one, but apparently it's an own goal. 
obviously um Finn got a consolation goal towards the end from a set piece which was a uh, pretty poor defending but uh, we won't talk about that too much I think it's 3-2 but Don saw out the win and uh, Joe they made it two wins two at Stadium and Chaos six points in a week seven goals in a week um pretty positive overall really it's um yeah it's good fun uh, as I said um we're not the finished article. That's I think that's one thing that's very you know very much apparent. Um, still ways to improve, definitely. But I think you know, okay, Swindon might ne- not necessarily have been in the early season form. However, I thought we dealt with them really well, and they posed different challenges throughout the game. They, you know, at the start they they had um, you know Hepburn Murphy who was really you know trying to get in behind and was a decent threat. You had Charlie Austin, who offered a different type of threat as well. And I thought we coped with it really well. I think um, until the they scored in the 93rd minute or something, and that was obviously from that set-piece goal, I think we limited them to like 0.5 XG or something like that for the rest of the game. And, you know, any team where you're limiting them to, you know, six or seven shots in a game, you're going to win more than you lose. And, okay, we didn't have many chances ourselves, but I actually thought that, we had it where we were actually getting into good situations and it, and we were, it was like an inch off sort of thing. You know, you know like Conor Grant, he got through a couple of times and it was, oh, just if that pass just went the other side, it, he was in. Or And Max Dean, again, was making some good runs. I thought it was really interesting at the start, the first sort of 25, 30 minutes of the game. It was almost like cat and mouse, who was going to go first? Yeah. On the ball. And it was almost like watching like uh, Brighton play under Deserbi and the fact that you know like Lewis Dunk does we were kind of waiting for them to press us and then within two or three passes we were in and um, you know and, and that happened a couple of times and then I think actually they then managed to actually get a foothold on the game and managed to I mean a big shout out for number eight for their, for their team Seiko yeah, Khan. It was Khan right yeah we as soon as he'd get the ball it was like watching sort of Kasumu and that he just rolled off the rolled on the ball and none of our players could get near him. And even when we tried to foul him, we couldn't get him down. <laughs> and um, he, I think he got a yellow card towards um, the end of that first half. And I thought that that really nullified Swindon quite a bit. Um, but then, like you say, we, we we got a goal through a moment of quality, a great through ball from Conor Graham, and dispatched by uh, Max Dean again for his um, fourth goal in four games. And um, and then we go into the, the second half, one uh, nil up, which was um, lovely. And then they come out, and um, to be fair, they didn't. They started a bit better. They started throwing a bit more possession and a bit more intent. And again, another. I mean, how many worldies are we going to concede this season? Then, oh, that's ridiculous, isn't it? It's. I mean, a, a brilliant like twenty-five yard that you can't really blame anyone for. Maybe just you know someone should. have charged him down a bit more but this one was like way further out than the one the Bradford one was and it was you know it's from a position where he kind of hits across the ball it's quite unusual for you don't really see those sorts of goals but um again I thought actually from when they scored they then had a little a little bit more of a period of pressure but for the last sort of 25 30 minutes I thought it, it was the majority of the play was by us and I was actually really quite comfortable even at you know one all or two one thinking oh you know, I do think the goal is coming here. And the goal actually came from a high press, which we won, and then a quick one-two between Woz. I think it was Woz who actually won it. 
um, was pressing in his own, in in the opposition's half, wins the ball back, plays a lovely one too, and um, a cultured left-footed finish. He was very and, much so, yeah. Um, and we've mentioned before, haven't we, Liam? About you know, uh, actually, this is something that um, Alexander sort of implemented was Harvey and Warren O'Hara being the outside centre backs and actually overlapping a bit more. So, you know, I think there's an element of, of Graham Alexander in that goal as well, don't you? Yeah, I say we're very used to overlapping centre backs and more progressive centre backs. Football club, obviously, were from previous managers. So yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a complete surprise to see, but um, yeah, it was a nice one for sure. Yeah. And then you say you were surprised about the Gilby one being offside, uh, being an own goal. He goes to cut it back. Did you see the Yeah, I suppose I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I'm thinking about watching it live more than the actual replay that I saw. But yeah, watching it live, yeah. I, was, I, was, I wouldn't have said it was an own goal. But obviously, yeah, if you go back and look at it, then potentially, yeah, I'd say. Mm. But um, yeah. again, I mean, we'll come to, um, I think we'll come down to individuals more. But um, Gilby down that right hand side. Um, could have had a couple, to be fair. And I think he was a bit cheesed off that he didn't have more. <laughs> um, but again, and then, and then, so he makes it 3-1 after, let's face it, we did actually miss quite a few good chances. Um, in the first half, Max Dini went through and the keeper produced a fantastic save. It just hit him in like the chest or something, I think. Um, but yeah, the best, biggest compliment I can give this team is that, well, they didn't throw away. I mean, yeah, we conceded um, another in the 90 third minute I think is to give us a nervous fight last three or four minutes but I just thought we controlled it well and okay we weren't maybe as good going forward as we were against Bradford but I think there'll be few games this season where we are that prolific going forward um, but what was so pleasing to me again was that we're actually playing this sort of expansive way however we're not giving up anything really there's not there's hardly any chances we're conceding and okay We've conceded two goals from outside the box in a crap set piece in the um, two game in the couple of games. Well, actually, if you go back to the Accrington game as well, that was a great finish from the edge of the box. So yeah, it was. Yeah, you know, I'd be more concerned if teams were crossing it in and getting to the byline and and getting crosses in or playing through balls and then scoring that way. So I think um, you know, there's a couple of things where you say, look, that's not going to happen every week. Um, and well, even though it's going to yeah, the moment. <laughs> But I think there's definitely a few different things that have changed that are really positive moving forward, Liv. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, when we asked your guys this free word reviews, I think you said that quite nicely. You know, Robbie mentioned um, patience at purpose. And I think that's quite, it's very sense what Joe mentioned, of course, in his comments. Uh, Jonathan saying was a strike. And that's a good, that's a good pod title, to be fair. Might they like, Nick, that from you, to be fair, Jonathan. Um, a lot of people say, you know, James Darcy, we're so back. Obviously, Joseph said we're back. Um, Squeaky having time from uh, Liam McDermott. But I think the one that I wanted to sort of touch upon, and we'll get into individuals now, was um, was Ken's comment on on Jack Tucker. Because I, I personally, me and Joe have been been Jack Tucker fans for quite a considerable amount of time. I think ever since he joined, you know, obviously we spent a considerable amount of money on him from Gillingham in compensation, getting him to the club. And I think since he's joined the club, he's had a had a rocky time to say the least. Obviously, a lot of manager changes to be fair. He switched from the right hand side of the defence back to the centre. And of course, he's back to the centre now under Mike Williamson. And I think defensively, I think Joe mentioned about us not giving up too much. And I think Jack Tucker's been essential to that. If you know, if you look at the numbers without even looking at the eye test, you know, seven clearances, um, no, one, one seven out of eight aerial duels. 
he didn't really lose the ball that much at all, to be honest. And then there's also in terms of that, he can actually progress the ball as well, wherever it be through long balls, which he had 16 of on, on Saturday. And he also, you know, touched the football 98 times as well. So, Joe, I think it's fair to say that Jack has become a real central part of this Mike Williamson system and seems to be, in the early stages, doing quite well. Yeah, I think, um, I wouldn't necessarily say we've always been his biggest fans, but I think we've been more sympathisers, if you know what I mean, in the, in the fact that I think we've been more patient with him than others. <laughs> maybe. Of course. Um, because, you know, I think it's it was with, you know, with reason why he was maybe questioned at times last season. But I think that he's almost, I mean, he was one of the players, he was the main player I highlighted. Um, I'm just patting myself on the back there. I mean, it's early days still, but um, I think that, Especially like you know, he's he's got the passing range, which I think is really key. There was a couple of times where Max Dean nearly got in, and um, you know, as I said, he was just on the ball, cool, calm, and a lot of the time he does just play it simple. But I think that's kind of what you need, and especially in this Mike Williamson team, if we're going to have the the outside centre backs be a bit more attacking, well then Jack Tucker doesn't need to do what Harry Darling did, did he? Because I mean, who did we have as centre backs when it was? Harry Darling. Um, when when Harry Darling was in the middle, who was on the right? It was, it was, was on the right. Yeah, yeah. Who didn't go forward that much? And Lewington, who didn't yeah. go forward that much. So you know, it was kind of Harry Darling would be the one going forward. But actually, you know, Dan Harvey's basically a second left back. Well, Dan Harvey's the left back, and Tomlinson's the left winger, basically <laughs> on that side. Um, and so yeah, I think that he's he's. He's, he doesn't need to go mad and doesn't need to do it. But I think 1v1 defending, the amount of times he actually saw a bit of danger, and it was on the left side a lot because, as we say, Tom Linson is so attacking, but he was straight over to snuff it out. And even if it was just kicking out for throwing. And I think one good thing as well we've seen, which is maybe different from a Liam Manning team or uh, a Russell Martin team, is we've not been slaves to passing it out. We've We have gone long. And we have also, you know, if things are looking difficult, just get it, get rid of it. You know, especially the goalkeeper as well, who I think we know probably isn't the most blessed player with his feet. But you can see that he's trying to make it work. And you can see that he's, um, this is Craig McGillivray. He's, um, you know, he, he's he's really buying into it, which is great to see. And actually some of um, McGillivray's long passing actually to people's feet was actually, I thought, quite good at the weekend. He did did a few pings and I was like, oh, that's good it was they weren't just aimless sort of long balls um but yeah Tucker defensively I think there's not been too much questions about that from from me anyway um but I think it's just the confidence and you know I don't you know he does have the responsibility of course he does but I think he's now got the confidence to kind of just do the basics right and at times yeah you will be able to spring a ball 40 50 yards but I think he knows he doesn't have to do that every time we get the ball sort of thing and um you know, as I said, so many times he was bringing them, inviting the press onto him because Swindon weren't really passing, weren't really pressing in the first half. And then as soon as he did that, there was then the spaces opening and he was able to find someone a few times. So, yeah, look, he's not, he's not the new Maldini quite yet, but there's definitely some really good signs. And I think it's, again, it's a confidence plays a huge role, especially as a, for a defender. Don't you think, Lou? Yeah, absolutely. And like, listen, Jack is still like such a young player, like 23 years old as well. Like he's still got such a long time in his career as well until he hits his prime, especially his centre, probably four or five years. So 
yeah, listen, it's it's not been the easiest road for him, particularly at this football club. Um, obviously been a part of two relegations already in his young career, but I think he is I think he is owning it in many ways. And I said like if I think if the midfield could do a bit more in terms of supporting him, particularly when it comes to chances, maybe around twenty, twenty five yards out from where we've seen some of the goals conceded this season, then you know, you could have a defender who is continuously keeping clean sheets more than he's not and building confidence and you know, ultimately that combination of I said was um Tucker and Harvey can really be a quite formidable partnership and or trio, I should say, sorry, in this league and uh, hopefully keep clean sheets and get get um give a race total a bit more as well. A bit more further up the field. Um obviously a play that we highlighted on the socials after the game, we actually won player of the match also by the sponsors was Jack Payne. Um I think he really summarized a lot of your comments in terms of us being Again, patient but personal, as mentioned by Robbie in, in his three-word review, you know. But I thought it had an absolutely outstanding performance, really. And we were, we were a bit surprised to see him at deeper initially, but I think his performance here really indicated why that is the case. You know, a uh, nice 4% pass accuracy, as mentioned, three key passes, one assist, two big chances created. The list goes on and on and on. And again, I mean, <laughs> Joe's packed his back earlier. I'll pack my back now. And I wanted him here a couple of seasons ago. We were in League One. I think he's the perfect type of player for the quote-unquote MK way type of football. And I think Williamson's version of that, he is excelling in. And don't get me wrong, I think he's thriving absolutely off the likes of Robson and Gilby doing the sort of legwork for him and giving him the chance to sort of sit in the pocket, pick up passes and get assists like he did for who was his goal on Saturday. But you know, ultimately, he's surrounded by all these creative well, some of some creative players, some more hard workers, and ultimately, Joe, he's reaping the rewards of that in many ways. Yeah, and I think another thing, you know, you've mentioned his stuff on the ball, but his tenacity in the second half to, because at times in the second half, when we were sat back a bit, he was kind of receiving the ball and changing a defence into attack. And at so many times under Graham Alexander, we struggled with that in the second half when a team was maybe coming on to us when we were winning. How many times the ball was lo- lobbed forward to Isa, or we'd try and build up, but Robson would lose it or Gilby would lose it deep. Well, now we've got someone who can turn and win fouls because he, you know, he gets fouled a lot. But um, he actually came in the 55th minute, I think, um, Connor Grant came off for MJ Williams. So he actually then went to a more fo- prominent forward position on the left hand side, slash the middle. And um, especially like when we were counter-attacking and stuff, again, he was so key in those moments. And there was times where I think, you know, you think, oh, he's lost it. And then he comes out the other end and he's scrapping on the floor, kicking out, trying to get the ball back. And it's it's just everything you want to see from a, a player who, let's face it, if you just said who's who's like one of the grittier players in the team, you wouldn't have said him, but he's he's like a little pit bull. Well, not yeah. quite an XL bully, but um, <laughs> like maybe like a Yorkshire terrier yapping at someone's ankles. Um, and and like and and it was just so. And there was the quality to back it up, as you said. He had a couple of good chances um, on on Tuesday night, and then to, he was more creative and played a few good passes. As you said, was it three chances created? And yeah. we we only had ten shots. Um, so I think he just adds that extra dimension from the midfield and we've said uh, recently you know if you think back to last season you know we you know we we, we didn't really have goals from midfield but when we were doing really well 
you had the likes of Matt O'Reilly coming from deep and adding a goal threat from mid from like central or holding midfield. We used to have Scott Fraser, you know, that sort of player who actually does play a little bit deeper, but they they're able to make a difference in the final third. And um, yeah, it's and and I just think as well, I just can't get his off the ball stuff because for me that's just as impressive, especially you know in a player that you maybe don't expect it, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. He's very much proven to be the all-rounder in that midfield. And yeah, I think acts as a really good compliment to obviously uh, Ethan and, and Alex in that middle of the park and allows the likes of uh, Joe Tomlinson and Cameron Norman to act more as traditional wingers, which is a, uh, yeah, seems to be benefiting quite a few players. And I think the player that's benefiting the most right now is Max Dean. You know, uh, David, David mentioned about his free review was Dean must start and Chris's Ole 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 is, is referring to the Max Dean chart who, well, I mean, he's had some start to the season for sure. And Simmons has been a change of manager as well. He's really, really thriving. Of course, another goal at the weekend, as mentioned, a pretty, a very nice finish into the bottom corner or side netting. And a player who is spearheading this Don's team and really taking it by the graphs, to be honest. I mean, I, I know we're going to get on to pretty good transition, actually, into our player of the month sort of conversation, but... I know on our on our Instagram stories we asked you guys who you'd want to win player of the month and all the results are Max Dean. So Joe, a player who, you know, we knew had the talent and we knew had the hard work and the fans love. And again, it's it's, it's sort of standard Don story where the fans' favourite seems to be winning the sort of not only the Mike Williamson over, but also us. And I think as well, he's he's um a symptom of the Mike Williamson system. One thing we learned when Heath came on was that he gets these strikers and he turns them into just goal machines. But if you look at Macaulay Langstaff, one thing I noticed from his time at Knox County was, and this is Knox County fans will tell you this as well, he's probably the hardest working player. And he's the centre forward who scores 30 goals a season. You know, a lot of the time, traditionally, you know, you might have a poacher like so you think in the past, you know, your Jermaine Defoe's and people like that, they wouldn't necessarily be busting a gut. But I think in this day and age, those sorts of players are there, you know, they get what they deserve almost. And I think just his work rate was absolutely phenomenal. Him and Gilby again, I think every keeper that comes to Stadium MK is just gonna be like they're gonna they're gonna receive the ball from their centre back. And then it's gonna be like, oh fuck's sake, every time they'll see <laughs> these them two just absolutely bombing it towards them and I think that he's he's got a real no fear attitude and I think that's something that you get in young players because you know sometimes when they get a bit older they kind of they're a bit more not sensible so to speak but um well they're more um they understand sort of more the tactics and the you know they the more game state they're not they're not as gung-ho so to speak and actually, Max Dean referenced that he might need to rein it in a little bit. And he's been told mm-hmm. that he maybe needs to rein it. And Mark Williamson made reference to that in his interview as well. But you can tell he's just got some real good values of hard work, being a nuisance. But he's also got the quality as well. And I think, you know, you don't go to a Leeds United Academy, um, you know, until the age of 18, 19, if you've not got a bit of quality about you. And I think it's just extracting that. Um, it's so rare that a player at the age of nineteen is ready for men's football. Yeah. I think I can think of one other nine. I can think of like maybe one or two other under 21, 23 year olds in the league, and in terms of strikers, and that's maybe that Mo Fall, who 
was a nuisance, but it didn't necessarily have, you know, a, the finishing touch, so to speak. Um, and then also you had um, uh, Freddie Draper, who, who's at Walsall. But I, I can't think of many under-23 sort of strikers in this league that are causing as much nuisance as him. And I think it's Williamson's system that's really helping to get the best out of him. But it's not that, you know, he still deserves so much credit because he's yeah. got those raw attributes. But I think, you know, we saw under games in, in Alexander, sometimes he kind of was lost in the game. And he would still be putting in the same amount of effort. But now it, now you can see that the team's just so much more joined up. And a lot of the time when we win the ball, we're winning the ball, you know, as I said, for the, a couple of the goals, actually, you could see that we won it on the high press and we were already in the opposition's half when we won the ball. So if the opposition's in their own half and they're losing the ball, the chance of scoring is so much higher than if you win it back when they're trying to take a shot or something like that, you know, when you're already retreated. And so I think that's also helping. And um, he's, he makes, he runs tirelessly. He makes the runs. And I think we're willing to actually play him in as well, which helps um, crosses through balls. He's, he's yeah, he's, he can't. And he's take a, one other thing as well, which I think is so rare in striker, he takes shots. Yeah. I know it sounds silly, but so many strikers now, um, you know, they might get in positions and then just hesitate. He just, he shoots early, which I think, especially for the, the goal, you could tell that, you know, the keeper wasn't maybe properly set and just by shooting early, it, sometimes it just, because I remember Ben Ikefobe used to do that and he used, he used to always say, I just tried to get it on target and sometimes some of the goals Ben Ikefobe scored, you might look at it and go, well, the keeper should be doing a bit better there, but just the fact he went early threw off the keeper. So, I mean, that was quite a long answer, but yes, he's doing well. <laughs> yeah, so three shots on target at the weekend. Obviously, he got his goal. Um, but yeah, I think I think the main thing is this, this system allows him to be a bit more patient. So if he can, like, mature his game to, you know, cut out some of the... Well, not, you don't want to cut out the liveness completely, but, you know, rein it in a little bit, as Joe mentioned, as, as Mike Williamson mentioned also, then, yeah, we could have some player on our hands uh, heading into the rest of the season. Um I want to chat about player of the month quickly. Obviously, it'll be announced, I imagine, at the next uh, home game, which is AFC um, at home. So please get tickets to that if you're not already. Um, a few nominations flowing about. Um, I've seen some shouts to Dan Harvey, which is I think is a good shout. And the player who, again, has really, I think, helped throughout this period of transitioning to a new manager. Would there be anyone else, Joe, that you were thinking of? Maybe they deserve a shout. Obviously, Maxine is going to be the leading favourite with his goal tally, but anyone else? Um, for me, it's a choice of four. Um, I, I don't think I can put Dan Harvey in purely because he got that red card against Gillingham. Yeah, okay, and fair it enough. was very avoidable, very avoidable. Even if he actually did play quite well in that game, and other than that stupid moment, um, so I would go for a, a choice of four, and I can't really pick between them. But I mean, you, Max Dean probably edges it because he scored the goals. But yeah, Joe Tomlinson goals for me. Yeah. So you know, Joe Tomlinson for me, even in the games where he didn't get a goal or an assist games such as um, the uh, Re the Walsall game for instance I think he created five chances at Accrington he created the most chances for us as well um, and I think he's just really been given and, and it was Graham Alexander who put him there in the first place he's really been that he, and you know Graham Alexander was one that made that move um, from taking Tommy Smith out of the team putting Harvey back at, back at, at left centre back and putting Tomlinson out there so we've got credit in with that but I think that's benefited both Harvey and Tom Limson. Um, Jack Payne, again, he's been, I guess it's only really been the sort of three, four games that Williamson's had. 
that we've really seen the best of him. But I think he's he was definitely the player of the match against um, Swindon. And I think you could make an argument between him and Payne for the Bradford game. You know, uh, him and him and Tomlinson, sorry, for the Bradford game. So I think, you know, two arguable man of the match performances. Um, and he's also, you know, getting in getting goals and assists to his game. And then the other one, I think, is Gilby, purely for consistency. Um, you know, he he doesn't get credited with a goal or an assist for the goal, um, for, the, for the one that on, on um, Saturday, the third goal. However, that goal was all him. You know, it was all his hard work. The amount of overlapping and underlapping him and Norman got up to at the weekend was a joke. And he's the one that leads the press. He's the one that collects the ball a lot of the time off the midfield to help us transition. And I think um, as well, you know, he had he, he had some choice words for people after the Gillingham game. And I think he's led by example in a lot of the games. Um, even I think back to games like Crawley away, you know, he was playing like deeper midfield, but he was the one pressing the goalkeeper. And I've just been so impressed by that. And, you know, if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for everyone else in terms of the work rate. So I think, um, yeah, he's just been a great example to all the players in the team. And um, maybe not, you know, the goals and assists, but sometimes just having the goals and assists doesn't necessarily mean you're the most important player on the pitch, if that makes sense. Absolutely, mate. Some fantastic shouts there. And um, whilst Max Dean is more than likely going to win the award, um for October in terms of player of the month yeah I'm sure that you know there's some options there for the Dons fans to potentially vote for also um, rather than take a break and go into a traditional Reading preview obviously there's as you imagine for people that follow football outside of MK MK1 and know about the situation at Reading it's very much off the pitch focus so we'll get a bit of context into that and as well as give a sort of small preview as to what Reading play like in particular So Reading, as mentioned, the team who have been, you know, really clouded with lost pitch issues the past three seasons. And it, it is hard for the, especially their fans to focus on what's happening on the pitch when off the pitch are being mismanaged so badly and financially in particular. Um, obviously last season it came to prevalence a lot with all their points deductions due to financial issues, players are being paid on time, bills are being paid on time, and ultimately it saw the the club being relegated from the championship two down down to League One and I think this summer and heading into these games this year have really not seen the problems end unfortunately. Obviously currently sitting bottom of League One. Not thanks to their performances really, but more more just due to them not not being able to pay certain bills on time and also they had a transfer embargo in the summer. So whilst they have players like you know Charlie Savage, who's obviously Robbie Savage's son, which is famously reported uh, Femi Aziz, Lewis Wing, Harvey Nibs, Sam Smith. Quite a good core of League One players, but that's the duo they've got. There's no one else really there that can really give them that oomph. There's players like Tyler Binden, who's come through the academy, 18-year-old centre-back, who has been solid this season, but ultimately isn't going to be enough to get to where they ultimately want and need to be. And of course, that season where they are bottom of the league. But, you know, the stats would say that they're not the worst team in the league. You know, they've created a fair amount of XG this year. I think 17 in total from open playing set pieces. Only scored the, I think it's 11 goals in the league, so not exactly great. And when you can see 19 as well, um, it's not exactly ideal. Quite a direct team. So I think at their top three in terms of direct speed, so they very much rely on just hoofing the ball up to their quality players at top, like Harvey, Nibs, Sam Smith, as mentioned, and Lewis Wing, for example, who can have a bit of quality, try and create chances for them and get them points ultimately. But 
you know, when you when your back line is, you know, has some quality clearly, but quite inexperienced, you're going to get caught out on counter attacks. And I think we've seen that a lot this season. Um, and also defending set pieces and a struggle for them. But they're going to want to try and use the wings and ultimately try and feel like Dante in some sense is you know press quite a, quite a high press and try and catch Don's out when making mistakes and try and capitalize on that. So a bit like this winning game could be quite a cat and mouse affair that on the pitch, you know, fans may enjoy, may not enjoy, depends on what team you support. But, you know, I'm sure there'll be, potentially again, could be protests at the weekend based on the club. And I know the fans are due to meet with um, the EFL regarding, you know, the turnout that happened at the last protest and action needs to be taken. Absolutely does. Because, you know, no club wants to go through that sort of situations. And we are fairly fortunate. We have our own, like Pete Winkleman, who, you know, whilst at times he can frustrate us, you know, he keeps the club safe, keeps the club financially um, well off, um, even despite some losses. So, you know, we have a football club to support at the end of the day, and that's all that matters. So there is that. But, um, yeah, it should be quite a competitive game. I, I do think Don's got a good chance in this game. I'm interested to see um, what side that Mike Williamson puts out because traditionally with cup games, you do expect, you know, some changes here and there, some experimenting. And I think this will be the first time since Mike Williams has taken over that he's had the chance to experiment with some players. Could we see the likes of Devoy? Could we see the likes of Lecco potentially get another start after his start to the season? Who knows? But I'm very interested to get Joe's thoughts. So I'll pass it over to him. I said, Joe, obviously a bit about Reading there. Um, what are you expecting from Mike Williamson in this game? Are you expecting him to start a pretty similar team to what we've seen in the league? Are you expecting some players to come into the squad? What do you reckon? I think there'll be five or six changes. I think we'll see the likes of Dawson Devoy, Connor Grant again, because Connor Grant, he still needs minutes. I think coming back from, well, just not playing. <laughs> um, I think you're going to maybe see the likes of Brooke, Alunga, Callum Tripp. But I think he'll he'll stick with four. Like I think he'll definitely have four or five solid, like the starters. Excuse me, we've had recently. But I definitely think there's a chance for perhaps the likes of Lecco. I mean, I think Isa is a bit different purely because there's a very big chance that he's not going to be signing a new contract and he will be leaving in the summer. And at sort of 29 years old, I think no, it's not that Mike Williamson has cast him aside or anything like that. But I think he'd rather spend his energy on. Yeah, that sounds harsh. I just think he, he, especially in a cup game, he'd want to have a look at the youngsters. Yeah. So maybe a Matt Dennis. Um, as I say, maybe a Matt Dennis, maybe a Lecco, because, you know, I'm sure we've still got a year and a half on Lecco or whatever. And he's, again, he's still a young player. So I think um, I think he'll use it to look at some players, but I wouldn't say it's going to be wholesale changes because, you know, we're going up against a side that's in League One. However may, many uh, issues they may be facing on and off the pitch, they are, they do still have some class players. Um but I think it's going to be a good opportunity. Um, well, also as well, um, news today on Tuesday that we've sold out our initial allocation of 600. I know, I know. Which surprised me as I'm not going to actually be at the game. <laughs> um, the first away game I've missed since January, um, I will be going to Burnley. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> there's one. Uh, but, yeah, I'll, I'll get in a bit of FOMO, fear of missing out on this one. because Bloody uh, Burnley, mate, as well would like... say. Yeah. Yeah, that's well, something like that. Yeah, um, but I think um, I think it could be a nice little day out, um, and you know, a full week on the training ground, as uh, Toby Lock has been mentioning a few times. That's who, who knows. Well, I think everyone has, and uh, especially given the start he's had, it could um, be very welcome. I think for for, for all, all players. 
yeah, no, very much look forward to seeing what a few transitions collectively can do for for the group of lads and seeing what form is power against a well, whilst they are bottom of the league, you know, as a, a league one team nonetheless, and you know, a team obviously we were division we were in last season. So yeah, it should be quite competitive. And yeah, good following also. So hopefully if we get a second allegation, some more fans to also go and yeah, take a decent following for the first round of the FA Cup. Hopefully get through and uh and see if we face in the next round. If you are heading to Reading, obviously enjoy yourself, have a good weekend. Hopefully it doesn't rain too much. And uh, yeah, we'll speak to you guys next week to chat about that game and look ahead to Newport away. And um, be sure, well, yeah, be sure to send in your free word reviews because I think we're going to be relying on the pod <laughs> listeners for much of the uh, analysis in the game. So um, yeah, if, if we could get some uh, little reviews and match reports, then that would be uh, much appreciated. Absolutely. Uh, your thoughts are always appreciated on the podcast for sure. But until then, come on, you don'ts. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.